A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Visit InsideFS.com. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Good morning and happy Friday. It is Friday, November 29th, and it's currently 5.05 right now. This is Reba McClone filling in for Pam Yonke, and Josh Scramlin will be helping me throughout the hour today as well. We hope you all had an excellent Thanksgiving and were able to stuff yourself full with all of your favorites at the table. I know personally I ate way too much turkey, mashed potatoes, and pumpkin pie. We also hope that today you'll be able to take it a little bit easier and enjoy your day as you recuperate from that meal. What we've got ahead for you in the hour today is we're going to be talking about Christmas trees. It is the day after Thanksgiving, so we might as well jump right into the Christmas season, right? I talked with Greg Hand, the owner of Hand Christmas Farm, about what he's seen so far. And did you know he had people who came out and bought their trees at the beginning of November I'm waiting until later this weekend to go get mine. And Josh is going to have a preview of some of the expectations you might be able to have for 2020 in the markets. And also what you can still be looking to do during harvest of 2019. And then to round out the hour, we've got a talk with Brad Cooley, who works at the DNR. And we're talking with him about gray wolves. I know there's a lot of opinions out there regarding gray wolves across the state and their impact on agriculture. So we found out more from him about what the DNR can do to help. And then, of course, as always, we'll have a look at your daily markets and how those are doing this morning. And our talk with ag meteorologist Stu Muck to see what we can expect on this Black Friday morning for weather, as well as what we can expect going into the weekend and the beginning of December. Can you believe December? starts on Sunday. So that's been a look at what we have in the show today. We also want to send you over to the MidwestFarmReport.com because we need anyone and everyone who needs a free baby bib for that little bundle of joy in your life. And whether you're mom, grandma, or an aunt, or maybe you're an uncle, grandpa, or dad who's looking to score some brownie points lately, feel free to head over to the MidwestFarmReport.com. All you have to do is sign up and we'll send you a free bib. And that's thanks to our friends at Quick Trip who are proud supporters of Wisconsin agriculture and want to thank you for your support as well. And that's been a preview of our show, and we'll be right back talking with Greg Han about Christmas trees after this. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success, like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds, and later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. So whether you're just starting out or on your way to building a legacy, we're here for you and wishing you a safe and bountiful harvest. Learn more at Compere.com. Trademarks of Compere Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Tis the season. I don't have my Christmas tree up or anything like that yet. Usually I do around Thanksgiving. This year I'm a little slow. 
But I'm going to get at it, and I'm going to have in my house another great Wisconsin Christmas tree from one of the great Wisconsin Christmas tree growers. Pam, there's always great Christmas trees here in this state. You bet, Scott. And this is going to be one of their busiest weekends. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn. Our own Reba McClone had a chance to catch up with the president of the Wisconsin Christmas tree growers. Not only are they individually trying to get all, all of their Christmas trees yards ready to go for everybody that wants to shop starting today through the weekend. They're also involved in Trees for Troops again this year, where a lot of our Wisconsin Christmas tree growers will donate trees to military families from across the United States, actually around the world. Reba, tell us more. I'm out here with Greg Han at Han Christmas Farm. We are talking about Christmas trees as we are getting close to that season. Some people may have already picked theirs up. I'm personally waiting until after Thanksgiving. But, Greg, one of the cool things you guys do, and we'll go into trends and things like that, is you participate in a program called Trees for Troops. Tell me about that. Trees for Troops is a great organization uh, that uh, Christmas tree growers get together to donate trees that uh, get shipped to the bases. Uh, That means that there's people that are on the bases that aren't home for Christmas or can't travel home for Christmas, but they get a little touch of Christmas by having a real tree in the base homes that they have. So here uh, from my location at Hans Christmas Farm, we're shipping 130 trees from all different local farmers. Uh, Actually, we get two stops this year. The first stop is going to be at Fort McCoy, and then uh, the next stop goes to Fort Leonard Wood. So it's just a neat thing to bring a touch of Christmas to people who can't go home for Christmas. Have you ever heard back from any of the soldiers who maybe have gotten one of your trees to just be like, this was so nice to have not directly but through the through the treesfortroops.org website there are many 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 uh troop members that put comments on that website uh you can also go there to donate if you wanted a tree or send a tree you can go there to donate uh trees or money and it's just a wonderful program for our troops i think it's just really touching as well and to get into that holiday season when you're far away from home it just means a lot but speaking of that holiday season a lot of people here at home are starting to get into that holiday spirit and season. When was your first customer out to buy a Christmas tree? I think our first customer was November 3rd. We're one of the few farms that open November 1st. Uh, People are getting, doing it earlier and earlier. They're like, oh, we have to hold off at least until Halloween. You know, you go 20 years ago, it used to be we have to hold off until Thanksgiving and that just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, So I think they're done decorating for Halloween. That is over and it's ready for Christmas. So November 2nd, I believe, was our first customer that cut a tree and kept it alive. So if you get a nice fresh tree, it really will last until Christmas. But I think the trend has changed now. Um, People don't go and leave their tree up until mid-January like they used to. It's kind of like I said with the the Halloween. Halloween's over. Let's go right into Christmas. Um, So the same thing with Christmas. Christmas is over on the 26th. Let's uh, be done and get everything out. So it's not the same. uh, People are keeping the tree for the same amount of time, but they're really shifting the dates of when they have a tree in their house. So that first customer was here right at the beginning of November. Were trees, most trees completely ready for the beginning of November? Yeah, trees uh, stay dormant uh, with some of the frost, and and I think it's really more the change of light. Uh, I'm I'm not on that side of exactly why they go dormant, but uh, 
as long as uh, as long as they're that late in the year that the needle retention should be fine. Did you find that you had a good rest of the growing season? I remember talking to you earlier in the year and you said the rain really helped your root systems to get set. How did the rest of the growing season go for you? Well, as you know, through the year we had unbelievable rains and the water table is very high and and uh, it's a great growing season. Uh, as Christmas farmers, we do have some low spots too that sometimes uh, uh, the trees don't like that much moisture, but overall it was phenomenal. And now with the rain that we're getting now, the trees are sucking that moisture up too, So, which will help have a, a very nice dark green tree that everybody will enjoy for the holidays. And it's really nice coming on to the farm because it smells like Christmas, which I guess is what you would expect coming on to a Christmas farm. But how early were you guys preparing for the rush? When is your rush? Um, for us here, we start October 1st. We have a retail store, so we start preparing at that time already. We do wholesale wreaths here, and everybody wants those before Thanksgiving. But the retail rush really starts the Black Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, this year, with Thanksgiving being so late, uh, we, we're gearing up a little bit more for uh, the, the weekend before Thanksgiving to be a little bit busier, too. Uh, it shifts a little bit. I like to talk about more of the industry than just specifically my farm. So for the choosing cuts, it's usually the two weekends after Thanksgiving. And as you go into the lots and, and you can get a very fresh tree at a tree lot. And there's some excellent growers that I know that have tree lots and they're, they're quality trees. Um, and they're, they kind of shift to the second and third weekend after Thanksgiving. It just depends on the customer base. What should customers be looking for if they are purchasing a pre cut trees. Is there things that they should maybe be like, oh, that might be a sign it might not last as long? Well, needles falling off, if you can either shake the tree or just bang it on the ground a little bit and if all the needles are starting to rain off, that's definitely something. Uh, don't put your hand in there and break needles off because you can easily strip the needles off of the tree. So uh, there were years where people said, put your hand in your tree and pull and see if no needles come off. Well, you can break them off, especially depending on the temperature. So I like to just shake the tree um, where you're put your hand into the trunk and kind of shake the tree and see if it's fresh that way. Uh, there's a lot of products on the market that, that keep your tree fresh. We sell a forest fresh product here, um, which kind of tricks the tree into believing that it's still in the ground, gives it some nutrition. Uh, I also recommend that no matter where you buy the tree, to cut another two inches off at your house. If the farm or the place that you buy the tree doesn't do a fresh cut, that is probably the most important thing is uh, to to do a fresh cut, it opens that live tissue back up, ready to drink the water, and then get it in water as soon as you make that cut. Those are really great points. <clears throat> Pardon me there. Those are really great points on how to keep your tree fresh. What kind of trees are people going for this year? Are they looking for tall, skinny trees, short, fat trees? What are you kind of seeing thus far into the year? I know it's still early. Well, we always have such a wide range of what people fall in love with the tree. And that's the nice part about a buying a real tree compared to an artificial tree is you can get a different shape all the time uh, if you decide that we've moved houses and we need a tall skinny one um, then we buy a tall skinny one instead of a fat one and uh, it's just neat because nature does that nature makes a wider tree or a narrower tree and and you get that with a real live tree
Is there anything that people should keep in mind this year regarding getting their tree, whether it's coming out here or going to a lot to pick one up? If you can keep it watered, keep it fresh, find a tree that you really love. Um, some Sometimes density really isn't. Sometimes be careful because you, f- you find a tree that's very dense and it looks beautiful with that density, but you don't have room for the ornaments. Um, so a lot of people are starting to go to a, a little bit more open, natural tree. It's interesting because the balsam fir is coming back around too. The balsam have a really good fragrance and people want that fragrance where the Fraser fir just doesn't have the same kind of fragrance. They have a little better needle retention, but the fragrance isn't there. So people are starting to switch back to the native Wisconsin balsam because of that wonderful fragrance that they have. I would have to agree with Greg there that when I do have a tree, I love that balsam and that fresh pine scent in my house for the rest of the Christmas season. Thank you so much to Greg Han, who is the owner of Han Christmas Farm, for explaining to me how things are going for the holiday season already in 2019 as we prepare for the Christmas that's coming up. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Reba McClone. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Quality is the promise printed on every bag of Latham high-tech soybean seed. I'm Shannon Latham. Quality is the visible difference in the way our soybeans look, germinate, and perform. Latham has quality numbers for your fields. Ironclad 2186 Liberty Link is best in class for early group two. New 2193 E3 features enlist technology and ironclad protection. And Ironclad 2228R2 is a multiple first trial champion. Pick quality yields. Visit LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Looking to remodel your bathroom? It shouldn't be like getting a root canal. Ganser is the answer with Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Give us 80 minutes for our 80 years to make a painless decision. We are proud to introduce Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Schedule your free in-home consultation or visit our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Have you heard the news? Ganser Company is your home for J.D. Power's top-ranked window and patio door manufacturer, Infinity from Marvin. You'll get 80 years of our experience to make an informed decision in 80 minutes. Schedule your free in-home consultation and get your home ready for the Wisconsin winter. Ganser has the answer. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. You've been a do-it-yourselfer your entire life. It's going to be one heck of a party someday. It's your life celebration party, and you should be the general contractor. This is Matt Gunderson. At Gunderson Funeral and Cremation Care, we've been helping plan out life celebrations for nearly 100 years, and it costs nothing to prearrange. Gunderson Funeral and Cremation Care, your hometown life celebration center. Gunderson This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Good morning to you. It's Josh Gramlin for the Midwest Farm Report on the day after Thanksgiving. Happy Black Friday. Hope you're doing well and hope you had a good holiday. And we are right back to it. And so is our good buddy, ag meteorologist Stu Muck. He is connected with us live via Skype right now. Stu, good morning. Two questions for you. First off, how was your Thanksgiving? 
Second question, what can holiday shoppers and farmers alike expect over the next few days? Josh, it was really a kind of nice, quiet Thanksgiving, at least for us. We had some breakfast with friends in the morning and had Thanksgiving uh, mid-afternoon. Just immediate family. My wife and daughter and I enjoyed some really nice steaks and asparagus and really good potatoes. A little non-typical Thanksgiving celebration. Hope yours was fun. Hope everybody else has had a great Thanksgiving. But now we're back to work. It's Friday. Yes, it's Black Friday, but on the farm, it's still means work to be done and the weather well it will cooperate pretty well today is changing once again you know we've been talking about this strong storm system that was going to build in on the california coast it's done that it's made its way to the rockies now and is still providing snow and the like back into parts of iowa minnesota the eastern dakotas eastern nebraska and further south that low is going to move pretty slowly over the next day or two now as moist air builds north and east around that low up from the plains and up from the mississippi valley it's going to build it up our way and we'll start to see something like today scattered light snow maybe a little freezing drizzle some sprinkles a bit later on nothing too heavy but a little scattered light precipitation certainly we're building on in now, I really expect this low will make its way up toward Iowa, even across southern Wisconsin on its way east as we head through the weekend. So kind of a prolonged period here where there'll be some occasional rain or snow. The chance lingers overnight into Saturday, even drags on into Sunday. Sounds like a real long bout of precipitation, but at least in the southern half of Wisconsin, La Crosse, Boston East, and everybody south, we're mostly going to talk about some rain. There will be a little snowfall mixing in but it's not going to amount to a great deal overall i'd say from today on through sunday and sunday night total rain in a quarter to three quarter inch range will be about all we see and if there is snow could be a little heavier Boston and lacrosse maybe up to an inch or possibly two that should be about the extent but we'll have that kind of precipitation temperature is not all that far away from normal and i guess that's good news as well i'll have forecast details right after this In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success, like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. Rural Insurance. Interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company? Rural Mutual Insurance is offering a $2,000 signing bonus to new agents hired before December 2nd. That's right, a great career with a great Wisconsin company plus a $2,000 signing bonus if you're hired before December 2nd. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com slash career. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Expect today that along with cloudy skies, there'll be a little light snow, some freezing drizzle, more likely drizzle or sprinkles a bit later in the day. Cloudy skies about 38, east winds about 5 to 10. Overnight, cloudy skies, rain. It could mix with a little snow late, maybe some slate. Temperatures, fortunately enough, holding just a little above freezing. East winds 5 to 15, will gust near 25. Cloudy, breezy Saturday, rain, mostly what we talk about. In fact, we could push our way near 40 with the 
the southeast winds 10 to 20, gusting to 30. Still cloudy Sunday and kind of breezy. Light rain, maybe some snowflakes mixing in. Upper 30s about normal. Winds become north on Sunday, 8 to 18, gusting to about 30 miles per hour. So like I said, from today through Sunday, rain amounts totaling up in a quarter to three-quarter of an inch range of what I expect, and snow a little heavier to our northwest, an inch, maybe two. Northern Wisconsin could see several more inches of snow as we wrap up the weekend and start toward next week. So be prepared. Things aren't going to be ideal, but they sure could be a whole lot worse. All right. Thank you so much, Stu. That is ag meteorologist Stu Muck. He joins us live every single weekday right around 520 a.m. As always, make sure to visit our website. That is MidwestFarmReport.com. I don't care what you're doing, holiday shopping, farming, whatever it may be, please be safe this weekend. And coming up shortly, you'll hear a conversation I had with market advisor John Heinberg about what producers can still be doing right now as 2020 gets even closer. Again, we hope you had a safe, happy, and most importantly, delicious Thanksgiving. And also, if you got some time, make sure to thank a Wisconsin farmer. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. In baseball, these are the moments that bring us to our feet. But the most important moment happens when we all stand together. United for a great cause. We once again join our partners Stand Up to Cancer in reaffirming a commitment to the fight against cancer. Since 2008, Major League Baseball, its fans, players, and coaches have delivered a powerful, determined message that we, together, will defeat cancer. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Candace Patton. Joe Manganiello. Jordana Brewster. Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Cancer has in some way touched all of us. So join Major League Baseball and stand up to cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. I-39 Supplies, words of the day. Snowmobile trailers. That's it. Just snowmobile trailers. Come and get them. <laughs> trailers, service, and more. I-39supply.com. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Looking to remodel your bathroom? Ganser is the answer with Bath Creations by Ganser Company. We know you're busy. Give us 80 minutes for our 80 years to make a smart decision on your bath remodel. We are proud to introduce Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Schedule your free in-home consultation or visit our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. 
Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Dancer, that's the answer. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Have you heard the news? Ganser Company is your home for J.D. Power's top-ranked window and patio door manufacturer, Infinity from Marvin. You'll get 80 years of our experience to make an informed decision in 80 minutes. Schedule your free in-home consultation and get your home ready for the Wisconsin winter. Ganser has the answer. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. It might just be the neighbor letting their dog poop in your yard again, but having outdoor lights that sense movement are great when you want to know what's creeping around. We have lower maintenance and lower cost, safety and security lights ready to put the spotlight on. Spot. This is Scott from Ever Ready Electric. Before our family became electricians, we were busy farming. That's where we get our Ever Ready work ethic. EverReadyElectric.net. We are Ever Ready. Jewelry is always the perfect gift for that special someone. You want to go to Goodman's Jewelers, where they have the experience and patience to work with you to find that perfect diamond. Pendant necklace, diamond earrings, engagement ring. It'll be a one of a kind and all yours at Goodman's Jewelers, a couple blocks from the Capitol on State Street. I loved playing high school sports. I loved the competition, the camaraderie, the bands, the crowds, all the pageantry. And I wanted to keep playing. But I graduated. No colleges called, and neither did the pros. So, to stay close to the game I loved, I decided to become a high school official. You know, a referee. When I played high school sports, I learned the importance of integrity, good sportsmanship, and respect for the rules. Now, as a high school official, I get to help model these same values to others. Maybe the colleges and the pros didn't call, but the kids in Wisconsin did. And now... I'm enjoying the competition, the camaraderie, the bands, the crowds, and all the pageantry of high school sports all over again. Interested in becoming a licensed high school official? Go to highschoolofficials.com to learn more and begin the application process. Rob Reichel's official Green Bay Packers stance on green bean casserole. Go. Yeah, forget the Packers, right? Let's talk about green beans instead of Green Bay. Uh, no, thumbs down for me, big guys. Mm. Um, Mm-mm-mm. Not not a fan. My wife makes it every year. I beg her not to, but she, Robbie, she, she typically does the opposite of what I say. Anyhow, we both so. Well, yeah, we yeah. know that. Well, what did what did you think of that tweet from uh, and He says Green Bean Casseroles is bad as the Badger basketball team. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, the Badger basketball team is probably worse because I, I'll be honest, guys. I will eat the green bean casserole. I'm almost to the point where I will not watch the UW men's basketball team. Robbie, so what we, did you think the back to back games losing to? To Richmond and New Mexico. Oof. Oof. You, you you don't have enough time, Evo. Let for, it out, Rob. For me to, to me to go on a nine-minute rant and then for us to still get into Packer talk. You know my feelings on this. The program has done nothing but gone south since uh, Mr. Ryan left five years ago. It, it continues to trend in that direction. It, it, this looks like an NIT team. And, and like I just told Nelson, the, the fan base is now to the point where the only thing they can hang their hat on at the end of the season is to say we beat Marquette. It's, 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 it's a sad state of affairs. And for the great program that was in back-to-back Final Fours in the national championship game as recently as 2015, the, the program should have continued, guys, to trend upward. It's gone the wrong direction. I, I think by now we have enough 
data and evidence to to know where this head coach is leading things. So, well, go ahead. Well, I just want to ask Rob one more thing about for for Packers. Rob, you know, a lot of people say they won't talk politics during Thanksgiving because it's so divisive. <laughs> At your Thanksgiving, if someone were to say, I love Greg Gard, would that be worse than talking politics? No, politics still trumps okay, everything. Okay, okay, okay. I, I just had to ask. state, Evo, is such a, such a hot-button state. This is, this is always going to be one of the five major swing states. Um. I, I, I think actually Greg Gard might be the one thing the majority of fans in this state can agree on and people can agree on. I don't I don't I don't think there are that many people left on the Greg Gard side of the aisle evil. So, you know, while while Republican Democrat might be fifty fifty split, I, I don't think we're close to, to a fifty fifty split right now on, on Greg Gard. I, I would think it's three to one, you know, saying it's time for the athletic director to, to grow up here and move on from him. Well, uh, I think that that would certainly be at one. I'm going to have to broach this at the Miller family Thanksgiving tomorrow, Robbie. And I will say this as far as NIT. So you're hanging out by yourself. Um, I, yeah, it's going to be my best friend and I uh, drinking booze. Um, no, uh, Rob, I was going to say I have plenty of uh, hashtag badgers to NIT shirts left over from my failed campaign five years ago. So um, I will, uh, if you want one, let me know. I can, I can hook you up with a hashtag badgers to NIT t-shirt. The way, the way they're trending, guys, you, you, you might need to change that hashtag to like, CBI or whatever those, you know, second. Yeah, no, we tried that. You have to buy, we'd have to start a go, you have to buy your way into those ones. It costs 10 grand. So I would start a GoFundMe then to get into the CBI. The NIT, (laughs) you still get invited to. The CBI, you have to buy your way in. It's it's a miserable state of affairs, guys. It's almost back back to the level of Steve Yoder and his 50 and 130 mark in the Big Ten. So, yeah, Mm, it's, mm, mm, mm. it's heading in that direction, guys. Uh, visiting with our Packer insider, Rob Reichel, uh, Forbes.com. All right, Robbie, we've had some time to process. Um, is it just, uh, you know, West Coast, it just, the, the Packers just don't have that good internal clock? Uh, is it we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're true Midwestern people? Like, Because clearly going to California is not uh, the right call for, uh, for Packer football this season, right? Joel, a, a Green Bay-San Francisco matchup, though, could be played on the moon. It could be played in the desert. It could be played at, at Lambeau Field. It could be played in the ocean. It doesn't matter. I mean, you, you pick you pick the location. Um, San Francisco is just far superior at the overwhelming majority of positions. Um, they're they're head and shoulders above Green Bay on the defensive side of the ball. They seem to have more playmakers. They were far better coached. Their, their quarterback was far more courageous through the course of that game than Green Bay's quarterback was. I mean, you add it all up, I, again, I, I've tipped my hat and given Brian Gutekunst many, many praise, uh, much great praise and props through the course of the season, guys, for, for taking this roster from 6-9-1 and one to, to being 8-3 right now. But, but there is a significant gap, maybe not a 29-point gap, guys, uh, but I think there's at least a two-score gap right now between Green Bay and San Francisco, no matter, no matter where you put that game. I think I've told you guys before, you know, Green Bay – you know, I, I felt has obviously made strides and done a nice job kind of reversing the way things have gone the last couple of seasons. But but top to bottom, guys, they were not passing the eyeball test. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 5.35 on a Friday. It's Josh Scramlin sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk on the day after Thanksgiving. As 2020 continues to get closer and closer, I thought that it would be a good time to kind of do a 2019 market recap as well as look at 2020 forecasts. And to have this conversation, I sat down with... John Heinberg, Market Advisor from Total Farm Marketing. So we'll get right into it. If you guys are looking at 2020, we know that 2019, it's been a year of ups and downs. Market forecasts. 
forecast for 2020? What are the big things we need to know about? Well, first off, let's just touch base, grain markets, things of that nature. Obviously, we're dealing with a real rough year in terms of production, a lot of questions, and Wisconsin's really struggled in that regard uh, with the wet spring and now into the fall and harvest. A lot of question marks that are still going to be floating around out there, but also at the same time, there's still some opportunities that producers need to be active, and you know, as much as they're focused on getting this crop taken care of here this fall, that there might be something in front of them on strong cash sales or things of that nature that might be uh, available. Again, us at Total Farm Marketing, or you may formerly know us more as Stuart Peterson, you know, we look a way to move that risk uh, and shift risk off of what you do in those sales. Right now, we're kind of recommending if guys are moving any grain, let's make sure we stay available in the market somehow because obviously we got USDA numbers that could come down the line that could really change the supply picture yet and cause some more volatility to occur. Now, we make sure guys are on the table for it. But at the same time, here we are again dealing with good supply. Demand's a question. Prices are being pressured. And uh, so it's another one of those years where we just got to continue to focus on that supply side of the equation as well as the constant battles that we're dealing with. Demand is now more than ever corn, beans, wheat, or global crops. How would you say this fall compares to falls of years past? It's been difficult. You know, talking to producers right now, they're tired. Uh, They've been doing battles that they've never done before to try to get this crop off crop doesn't seem to want to dry down obviously you're dealing with snow issues wetness issues whether it's even corn beans doesn't matter you know obviously we'll see unfortunately we're probably leaving bushels out there and again those are numbers that somewhere down the road are probably going to shake out don't know if it'll be in january this is a type of crop because of some of the quality concerns especially on the corn side it might show up in grain stocks numbers in june or september down the road because uh, you know, I'm hearing reports of light test weight corn and that stuff will grind through very quickly and also it'll show up somewhere when the USDA says, hey, we're off 200 million bushels here or there and the price will react. So again, that's what we talk about. If you're moving grain, you can't sit there and hope we're going to get those adjustments. you got to take care of value, but then you use the tools that we offer or other people like ourselves offer to keep yourself in the marketing game if case prices take off again. What are you hearing from producers around the country? Are you, are you hearing, are they trying to stay positive? What are you hearing? This year has been taxing. Uh, you know, obviously we dealt with all the planning issues in the spring, and that was a, a weight on the shoulders of trying to get this crop in. Then obviously the prices exploded quickly on the grain markets, especially the corn market because of the acreage issues that were perceived to be out there. Great opportunity to get some marketing done, but guys were unsure about bushels, so they didn't pull the trigger. And as soon as the prices came 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 to be, they disappeared. Uh, again, USDA made adjustments. I'm not blaming the USDA. They have a process that they go through, and they followed that process to the letter, which has kept the supply picture, at least right now, in the minds of everybody, still relatively full. So we got producers now are frustrated. They don't have the bushels that are out there. The price isn't there that they thought we're anticipating. There's a lot of disbelief that the numbers eventually will straighten out and I don't want to say save us, but you know that seems to be a little bit of a mentality. Producers now, though, need to be focused more than ever. you got some real good cash markets with basis levels where they're really trying to pull this corn out of the bin, and it might be your opportunity might be in front of you now to go ahead and move corn. But then again, if we get those adjustments that could give us some volatility, you want to make sure you got something in that marketing plan to keep your open to the upside in case this market takes off. But you got to sell that value now if you got it. All right, being that we're both from Wisconsin, I feel like it would be a sin if we did not talk about dairy. But you're saying that in the last couple of weeks something positive has happened? 
Well, we've seen a heck of a move in the dairy prices since the first part of September to a point that dairy producers have got some really good opportunity to make some pretty good sales in here. Uh, again, it's one of those things that's been a little bit more demand-driven as well as U.S. supply-driven. We've seen a, a ramp-up on the export front in terms of U.S. cheese products, dried milk products, and then also the U.S. productions come down to the level that we're basically using what we're producing. So with that, the dairy market's had some pretty good opportunities here as we rallied a dollar to two dollars off those September levels. But again, you know, keeping that same philosophy and dairy producers, you know, because it's a daily marketing plan there as that milk goes in and out on a daily basis, kind of forget about, you know, let's make sure we're looking at how to protect value, whether you're using, you know, the dairy miners price program through the government or put strategies or just locking in on the board uh, or locking in cash sales through your plant. There's a lot of different ways that we can work with producers and maintaining or helping protect that value that's out there to some extent. So let's make sure we're keeping watch as we look at all of a sudden $17 plus dollar milk going into next year. It's a great starting point. Not saying we're not going to go higher. you got cheese prices that continue to be fairly strong, at least here in the short term, and that could elevate prices going into next year. But at the same time, how fast demand comes, demand can go. And when producers have opportunity, again, how can we take care of that? And that's where I'd love to have some conversations with guys, at least in looking at protecting those milk prices. That is John Heinberg. He is a market advisor in West Bend, Wisconsin, with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. From the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk on a Friday, I'm Josh Scramlin. Well, again this year, it doesn't look like Mother Nature is giving us much of a break. Good thing you know my buddies at McFarland's in the heart of Sauk City. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee to remind you, no matter what you're doing, trying to winterize things around the farm, get that little piece of paradise winterized for the elements. Or maybe it's the home your family lives in, and it needs to be a little more energy efficient. Whatever you're thinking about, McFarland's takes care of you all under one roof. Trying to winterize things around the farm. Head back to the farm department, Bill and the crew. More experience than anybody else in this area. Like I said, whether you're looking at trying to winterize that little piece of paradise that you've got or take care of where you and your family live, they've got it all under one roof. And what I really appreciate, being able to lean on the expertise that the staff at McFarland's brings to you. They'll help you get the job done efficiently and effectively. And that's really important with the weather we've got coming up. So again, McFarland, 780 Carolina Street, all under one roof, right there in the heart of Sauk City. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Josh Gramlin for the Midwest Farm Report in studio, taking a look at your opening markets and agribusiness news on Black Friday. When Dean Foods filed for bankruptcy this month, questions surfaced regarding the status of partnerships with the company and the health of the dairy industry. However, Organic Valley, a Wisconsin-based organic cooperative, says its Organic Valley Fresh LLC joint venture, which represents a small fraction of its milk processing and distribution, falls outside of the Dean Foods filing. The cooperative says its members are, quote, disheartened by Dean's food bankruptcy as it represents the many challenges dairy farmers face in getting their products to market. Organic Valley officials say the cooperative remains strong and innovations have bolstered the business overall. Dean Foods this month announced the Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing, adding the company was in advanced talks with the Dairy Farmers of America regarding a potential sale. And with that, let's take a look at your markets on a Friday. 
Right now, cash corn is at 362 and a quarter, while new crop corn is at 373 and a quarter. Moving to beans, cash beans are currently at 881 and a quarter, and new crop beans are sitting at 895 and three quarters of a cent. Cash wheat is at 528 and a half a penny. New crop wheat is currently at 526 and three quarters of a cent, while live cattle are currently at 121.4 and a quarter. Feeder cattle are at 143.3 and a quarter. Lean hogs are at 60.6 and three quarters. And switching gears to dairy, right now butter is at 199 and three quarters of a cent. Black cheddar is at 196 and a quarter. Cheddar barrel at 224 and three quarters of a penny and as for those fluid milk contracts right now december milk is up 23 cents at 1930 and january 2020 milk is up 15 pennies at 1881 remember if you want a free fabulous farm baby bib courtesy of our friends at quick trip you got to go to midwestfarmreport.com once you get the bib take a picture of your baby wearing it send it back to us and we will post it on our website and social media for the midwest farm report i'm josh scramlin this is the farm report with pam yonke There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Welcome back. And to round out our show today, we're going to be talking about the gray wolf. There is no shortage of opinions across the state regarding the gray wolf. I talked with Brad Cooley, who works at the DNR as a wildlife damage specialist, about the wolf's impact on agriculture, which has caused some of those tensions, as well as what his role is. Yeah, so part of my role is is I administer our wildlife damage programs, you know, um, assisting farmers that are having, you know, um, agricultural damages from deer, bear, turkey, elk, and geese. We have a compensation program for for those species, but we also have a a depredation and compensation program for wolf depredations where um, the state will reimburse livestock, hunting dog, and pet owners if if wolves um, injure or, or kill, you know, their livestock or pets. 
how often are you having to interact with farmers, particularly regarding wolf depredations? On a statewide basis, you know, the impact to, to producers isn't very significant, but it can be significant to individual producers in, in certain areas. You know, each year um, we have a cooperative service agreement with USDA Wildlife Services where any wolf complaints that we receive, we, we direct to them. Um, they will follow up and investigate those those conflicts to try to verify if, if you know, if wolves cause the depredations or were involved in those conflicts. So each year, Wildlife Services responds to roughly, you know, 120 to 130 um, reported wolf conflicts every year with, um, in the past couple of years, um, 60 to 70 of those being verified as wolf conflicts. Those payments, what do those look like? Yeah, so the payments we for livestock, we, we compensate at fair market value. So we have a livestock panel that consists of an individual from UW Extension, uh, individual from the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation, and um, an individual from the uh, Wisconsin Department of Agriculture. Um, they, they every year set livestock prices based off of, of markets, you know, um, so that's what we, we compensate those producers. Um, we don't have final numbers for 2019, you know, as we're, as we're still going through that. But in 2018, the department paid out roughly $134,000 for injuries um, or deaths to livestock, hunting dogs, and pets, you know, caused by wolves. If someone believes their animal has been attacked by a wolf, uh, what should they do? What are their next steps? Yeah, it's, as soon as they suspect, you know, an animal has been depredated or even if, if they suspect wolves are harassing their livestock, um, they should call and report that to USDA Wildlife Services um, right away. That allows Wildlife Services staff to get out there, investigate, um, try to verify depredations if it occurred, you know, before any evidence is erased or, or you know, disappears because of, of weather conditions or because of decomposition. Um, you know, so they can get out there right away, try to verify if it was, if it was a wolf depredation issue. And then also the other benefit is, is that our program provides abatement assistance to try to prevent additional depredations. There's a variety of non-lethal abatement techniques that we currently employ to try to um, reduce the likelihood of additional depredations occurring. And what are some of those abatement techniques? So right now in Wisconsin, uh, wolves are obviously a federally listed species, so we're we're limited at this point in time to non-lethal abatement techniques. You know, we don't have the ability to implement um, lethal control options in response to depredations. So right now we use a variety of non-lethal abatement techniques. Um, the big ones are um, electric fencing is, is, is probably the big one. We have, it's called turboflagry, which is basically ribbons um, with electrified um, wire that runs through them that we put around pastures. You know, try to deter wolves from coming into that area. It's just a visual stimulation or change, you know, visually for the wolves that, that, you know, makes them uneasy about coming into that area again. We also use a fair amount of, of um, audio stimulation as well. Um, so we have weather radios that will come on intermittently at night, um, you know, playing talk radio or or music, you know, to, to try to be an audio stimulator and, and keep wolves out of areas. You know, we have radioactivated guards, which if we have uh, a wolf collared in a pack and, and we know that that pack has caused depredations in the past, we have a device that we can put out in pastures that if that, that wolf gets close and it picks up the radio signal from the collar, um, that device will trigger audio and visual, visual stimulation, um, you know, try to deter those wolves from that pasture. So there's a variety of non-lethal um, abatement techniques that we employ to, to try to, you know, prevent depredations. But, you know, it should also be noted that livestock producers themselves, um, you know, alter their husbandry practices to try to prevent depredations as well. 
you know, they'll move livestock closer to, to buildings or confine them inside buildings, um, you know, be more diligent about monitoring herds. So there's a variety of, of steps that um, the livestock owners themselves take to try to prevent depredations as well. When do you tend to see the most depredations? Yeah, and then the most depredations um, typically occur in the spring. You know, the majority of our producers here in Wisconsin have spring calving. Um, you know, calves are obviously smaller than, than you know, feeder or stockers, and, and that's when they're most vulnerable. So spring is when we see the, the, the you know, majority of our depredations. Um, but obviously for an individual producer, you know, when, when they are likely to see depredation is, is going to be determined by their calving schedule. You know, a lot of our producers, like I just mentioned, spring calf, so that's when, when they need to, you know, monitor their herds more closely and, and uh, um, you know, watch, watch those vulnerable calves. Um, if, if you're a fall, fall calver, you know, fall is when you want to be most diligent about monitoring your herd and, and watching those calves. So, um, so, yeah, so typically is when the majority of depredations occur, but... You know, for each individual producer, they're going to want to, um, I guess, increase their diligence, you know, when, when they're having calves born on, on their farm. I've read that wolves are only allowed to be killed if a human life is in danger. So say you're a farmer and you go out into your field and you see a wolf attacking a, a calf in one, like one of your calves. What should you do to try and stop that attack? Is there anything you can do? Yeah, you can certainly try to, try to um, you know, interrupt that depredation by, you know, making loud noises screaming, yelling, you know, trying to, you know, scare that wolf or, or frighten those wolves and, and hopefully prevent the depredation. But as far as lethal control, um, yeah, currently under the, the you know, federally uh, endangered status, um, you know, producers legally don't have have an option for lethal control, you know, unless it's, it's to prevent human health and safety, um, you know, issues. So, um, yeah, so legally they, they can't implement that lethal control, but they can certainly implement non-lethal harassment and stuff like that to try to um, you know prevent that depredation or interrupt that depredation. What happens in situations when animals maybe aren't killed but there are wolves around? Yeah, you know, we we talked a little bit about compensation, you know, and and, and that's, you know, that's that's a small you know, we, we talked about dollar values in our reimbursement program and stuff like that, but, you know, that that's a small part of, of I guess, the um, negative consequences of these depredations. You know, there, there's also non-monetary issues, um, you know, that, that result from these depredations. You know, there's literature that shows that, you know, on farms with depredations, you know, it can lead to um, slower weight gains for calves, you know, because the calves and, and, and adults are... are trying to be more aware and they're not feeding as heavily as they normally would do. Um, you know, there, there's time producers spent to monitor the herds, you know, increased time to do do that if they have de- depredations. Um, occasionally we have of cattle that are run through fences, um, you know, so there's time to repair, recover cattle and then repair fencing. Um, you know, um, depredations could impact future breeding. Um, handling agitated livestock, um, you know, and then there's personal stress and anxiety of, of knowing that depredations have occurred on your property and the need to monitor. So, there, you know, we kind of talked about the monetary and the reimbursement side of things, but there's a lot of kind of secondary impacts that um, are also losses um, for producers that, that aren't included in those figures. That was Brad Cooley, wildlife damage specialist, and he also wanted everyone to know that transparency is something that's really important to them, which is why they have listings of the depredations on their website, and they also have a lot of educational materials out there to